welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysteries and the Kabbalah as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to this on as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk. In today's episode, we will be continuing our astrological discussions and theme with an episode that is going to be the sort of introduction to a series on some of the mythological and symbolic aspects that lie behind the 12 signs of the zodiac. As we discussed in our previous historical episodes, uh, looking at the origins and history of, of, of some of the astrological thinking, in these ones, we are going to be looking much more at the the star signs, the constellations, and the zodiac, and why they are. Why is Aries a ram, a Cancer a crab, Leo a lion, etc. Although some scholars have have suggested that you know these animals have been selected because primitive man looked at the shapes of the sky and, and fills the rest in with their imagination. I'm not 100% convinced on that answer um, and I believe it may be much more complex as well as possibly having a sort of spiritual, um, religious or symbolic aspects behind some of these these signs. Our ancestors would have sat around campfires in the great darkness beneath a, you know the azure sky that was filled with sparkling bright stars and the sky must have felt like a real divine being a goddess cloaking and protecting the earth in its warm embrace anyone who has traveled to a place where there's no light pollution would definitely be able to attest to the magnificence of the night sky when it is not filtered by the orange glow of our urban cities. And as Joseph Campbell wrote, the mystery of the night sky, those enigmatic passages of slowly but steadily moving lights among the fixed stars, had delivered the revelation, when charted mathematically, of a cosmic order and response from the depths of the human imagination, a reciprocal recognition had been evoked. A vast concept took form of the universe as a living being in the likeness of the Great Mother, within whose womb all the worlds, both of life and death, had their existence. So ancient man must have looked up at this beautiful sky and seen it as a symbolic goddess, a giant hollow dome covering and rising over the flat earth, and then possibly later on this is developed into the idea of a hollow sphere with the globe of the earth at its centre. And the sun would then make a journey every year around the edge, making a complete circle within one year. And this is a wondrous place where our ancient ancestors would have seen the gods and goddesses as being living beings. And this was described by one particular author, Kieran Le Rice, as follows. 
Thousands of years ago, it was no doubt a similar experience of the night sky that compelled our ancestors to envisage the universe as the all-embracing womb of the great mother goddess within which all life springs forth and to which all individual forms will finally return. Even today, for all the ingenious technological developments and great cultural achievements of modern civilization, we retain a sense of this primordial intuition of our deep mystical identity and mythic relationship with the universe. If we can set aside our more limiting rational preconceptions, we can recognise in the mystery of space something of the mystery of our own deepest being. And that's from Archetypal Cosmos. Rediscovering the gods in myth, science and astrology. So the path of our sun, sun circle around the earth, is known as the ecliptic. And the narrow band or road that the sun travels on is the zodiac. As we saw in our historical episodes recently, the zodiac is really a belt circling the earth. 16 degrees wide, 8 degrees above the ecliptic and 8 degrees below the ecliptic and 360 degrees around. And then within that are contained the orbits of the planets and the solar system with the exception of Pluto. And there's been many theories as to the actual origin of the star shapes, as I mentioned. Um, some people claim, as I, as I said, because the constellations look like animals, so the belt becomes the zodiac from the Greek zodiakos, meaning circle of animals. The zodiac is divided into 12 constellations and each one has a name and a specific shape and the ancient astrologers would have named these 12 astrological signs. Each of the sections of the zodiacal belt has a variety of different legends, symbolisms and meaning behind them. So in the next 12 episodes we will be exploring this in greater detail, starting with Aries and proceeding through the entire universe until we end Pisces at the other end of the year. We're not going to be going into the personality aspects, e.g. hair colour, eye colour, etc. as there's an awful lot of that stuff out there but um, I wanted to kind of focus on each sign from a kind of mythical and hermetic perspective as being part of this greater corpus of knowledge that includes you know alchemy, magic and spiritual practices. Um, as I mentioned, the meaning behind why a certain animal is shown in a particular section rather than others is, is not really very clear. Um, however, we will try to shed some light on the different stories, the mythology, as we progress on our journey. As Joseph Campbell wrote, Myth is the secret opening through which the inexhaustible energies of the cosmos pour into human cultural manifestation. Jung um, is going to be quite important in some of these this as well. And Jung argued that mythology and the gods and goddesses of ancient times were symbolic of quite deep motivating elements in human psychology that was shared by all of humanity. 
And this is really the basis of his theory of the collective unconscious, whereby we have archetypal symbols common to all human beings that lie at the heart of consciousness and emerge in paintings and creative endeavours. And this concept is very much aligned to the spiritual traditions of the world, um, you know, by the name of the astral light, the group minds, etc. If we take Jung's ideas further, therefore, because the signs of the zodiac are named after gods and goddesses of mythology or animals or stories or mythology, we could argue that possibly these astrological signs are archetypes that influence us on a symbolic and a spiritual level but also from an astrophysical level similar to Jung's theories of synchronicity where where we have symbolic or archetypal forces that inter interact with our normal everyday lives so perhaps this connection or this interaction between the archetypal symbolic level and the worldly one via the unconscious could be linked to <clears throat> kind of shaping and moulding our reality, kind of bending it, making it, um, you know, into what we have. Um, yes, yeah, so it's an interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Um, the theories of Jung on this are very interesting. Uh, there's another astrologer also called Dane Rudger um, who continued with this idea that argues that the moment of a child's birth is an important synchronistic event because it marks our entry into the world both physically and spiritually. So in this sense, our birth chart or our natal horoscope can also be viewed as almost like a mandala or a symbolic symbol that represents our relationship with the cosmos around us. And Dane wrote... A horoscope is a diagram of the sky at a particular moment in time. A horoscope represents the birth of a human being. You are the mandala. That's a quote from Dane Rudger. That's interesting that he says you are the mandala. The word mandala is Sanskrit, which is a word that describes a symbolic picture or a diagram that's used as a tool in meditation. A mandala is a symbol of wholeness, of psycho-spiritual kind of unity. And when we focus our attention on a mandala, when we use it in our spiritual work, when we use it in our meditation, it will aid the seeker in the search for kind of achieving that oneness with our higher self or unity. They're often circular Um so we get this idea of the Ouroboros, the, the, the serpent biting its own tail, or also the symbol of um, Keta in the Kabbalah, which is a kind of in, sign of infinity. It's this continual process. And often they're divided into four parts, um, which incorporate different, different squares, circles, and, and, and other symbols as well. So it's very similar to the, what the kind of goal of the mystery schools was with regards to Nothi Sutan or Know Thyself. So if we take this idea that Dane Rudger talks about um, the horoscope being 
representing the birth of the human being who is the mandala we then we can also see the archetypes of the zodiac as being sort of learning tools that can assist us with a deeper understanding deeper insight deeper awareness into what motivates us our desires and our responses to life and so through these mythical archetypes through these mythical energies these, these symbolic energies we can then begin to see opportunities and work towards the journey of self-actualization and this is described by dane rudger as follows the essential purpose of astrology is not so much to tell us what we will meet on our road as it is to suggest how to meet it and the basic reason for the meeting which quality in us which type of strength is needed to go through any specific phase of our unfoldment as an individual through mythology we can begin to see a process of self-development that kind of almost unfolds or peels back the onion it's bringing our kind of conscious awareness forward and this process of developing our conscious awareness is very much one of the prime focuses of mystery schools throughout history and this is what you know joseph campbell talks uh, describes as being the hero's journey the hero's journey is, is usually marked at the beginning by an initial sort of lack of awareness innocence very similar to the full tarot card which is then followed by a challenge or a crisis which then leads to an outcome of gain uh, depending on how the hero responds and the formula is normally separation initiation return which is really sort of describing the story that we see in many myths around the world so the hero or the heroine goes out into the world where they have all kinds of adventures and meet all kinds of challenges hardships but then they bring that power back to their village back to their fellow man campbell describes this as follows the usual hero adventure begins with someone from whom something has been taken or who feels there is something lacking in the normal experience available or permitted to members of society the person then takes off on a series of adventures beyond the ordinary either to recover what has been lost or to discover some life-giving elixir it's usually a cycle a coming and a returning and that's a quote from joseph campbell so as you can see um in this sense aspects of some of this, this astrology that we're talking about can be seen to give us an insight into our kind of innermost nature and also bring out what is unconscious or conscious awareness so making us easier for us to pinpoint our strengths and weaknesses as maslow wrote the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities especially considered as a drive or need is present in everyone to conclude this episode we can say that although we'll never be able to conclusively say for sure why our ancestors named specific zodiacal sections after certain animals or symbols what we can say is this is slightly irrelevant as we saw in our historical episodes the practice and art of astrology has developed so much over the last three thousand years and had so much importance so much value and significance to millions of people that the mythology and symbols of these archetypal stellar beings 
have had a really profound impact on our consciousness, on our awareness. So therefore the function of mythology, of raising awareness and bringing deep insight is very much there. Um, through the power of the symbols and myths, I think also we can potentially connect with those deep unconscious energies and bring light into ourselves to help with the development and emerging of self-awareness. And this is really the true power of magic and why magic often uses mythological imagery because it's through symbol that we can tap into that part of the brain that seems to be locked out from our conscious mind. As Dion Fortune wrote, it is well known to mystics that if a man meditates upon a symbol around which certain ideas have been associated by past meditation, he will obtain access to those ideas even if the glyph has never been elucidated to him by those who have received the oral tradition by mouth to ear. That's all we've got time for this week. However, please stay, stay tuned and listen to our next episode where we will be discussing the mythology of Ares. To conclude the episode, I'd like to read a poem from the great Rudolf Steiner on the stars. The stars once spake to man, it is world destiny, that they are silent now, to be aware of this silence, can become pain for earthly man, but in the deepening silence, there grows and ripens what man speaks to the stars, to be aware of this speaking can become strength for spirit man. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Thank you and good night. Good night.